I don't know about you, I love a good quote, I love a good metaphor on a Sunday morning. Do you like that? No, you don't seem too excited. You're pretty un- un- unimpressed, but that's fine. This isn't going to be very impressive, but this is my attempt at thinking about Jesus as the true vine. So, um, I like these sort of metaphors. For example, look at this one here, first one. Oops, I've got my thing here. Right, life is like looking for your phone. Most of the time it's in your hand. Okay. Fascinating one, okay, for you to think about. Life is like your phone, but so often it's just in your hand. Okay. Be happy, it drives people crazy. Have you ever tried that whole thing? Have you tried it at work? You've tried it with other people? Just be happy. It's bizarre. It drives different people in different directions. I was doing it the other day. I was playing cricket. I play in an over-60s cricket team, which is great because I'm one of the youngest. And it's amazing because the main thing I bring, apart from a complete lack of ability to score runs uh, at the moment and whatever, is I, bring, I try and bring joy into the situation, right? So I'm the one that is the noisy one in the fielding. I'm the one that tries to create a bit of fun. I try to bring the love into it, as I call about it. Okay, so these over 60s boys, lads, are really thrown by this because I'm saying, come on, let's bring the love in. You know, if we get a, all this stuff, bring a bit of happiness in. It drives people crazy. Okay, I recommend that. Third one. My room is like the Bermuda Triangle. Stuff goes in and it's never seen again. <laughs> Maybe that's true for some of your kids. I don't know. But metaphors are really fascinating. Of course, what we've been thinking about, if you like, metaphors are, if you like, pictures or stories about a particular situation. Jesus, of course, has been doing that these last few weeks as we've been looking at who he said he was, whether it was bread, whether it was the gate, whether it was light, whether it was as a shepherd, whether it was last week, way, the truth, the life. He was saying, look at me. This is who I am. And he used those metaphors, those pictures, to help people understand where they're at. So what we've got here is the context is Jesus, as it was saying in our little reading just now, was right at the end of his life. He knew where he was going. He knew he was going to fulfill what he'd come to do, which was to save the world. He knew he was going, but the disciples didn't quite get it. So again, he used a metaphor to help them understand what was going on. He didn't quite do this, but he dressed up as a farmer, a vine dresser or whatever they used to call him in those days. I don't know, whatever. But he dressed up as a farmer and he'd say to them, he said, look, I am the true vine. My best West Country accent. I am the true vine. I am the one. I am the one that you should come to. And he was saying and hinting, I'm going to be going from you. I'm going to be moving on from you. I'm preparing you here. And as that message is for them, it is a message for us. He's saying, I'm preparing you for a time when I won't be with you. And he goes all agriculture on them. He gives them a picture of a vine of grapes, of fruit, a beautiful metaphor for life and relationship with Jesus. Now, as we're coming to the end of the summer, and we're all excited about the autumn, are you excited about the autumn? Or are you one of those people I shared earlier thinking, I have foreboding about the autumn. There's things that are happening that are going on in my family or in my life, or I'm facing debt, I'm facing challenges illness-wise. I'm not sure what it's going to mean. I'm in a place of grief, of loss, What does this mean for me? 
Well, I think these two things are really powerful things that Jesus is encouraging you to do. He says, as I'm the vine, you need to remain in me and I in you. Then you will see amazing fruit. The first thing that we need to be is we need to be connected. We're all into connection at the moment, aren't we, in lots of different ways. We're almost like over-connected. You literally spend our life being connected, buzzing around in our minds, phone particularly, that brings us into connection. But actually, the sadness is, in many ways, are we truly connected to the one who knows us? The one who actually gives real life and real joy and real peace. That is what Jesus, I think, is challenging us (coughs) today in relation to these things. For something to grow, you have to be connected. You cannot be fruitful on your own. Look, I'll take one of these grapes, all right? Lovely grapes, lovely. Mm. But a grape on its own is going to die, isn't it? It's going to wither up. It might be it ends up one of these. A grape, a raisin, okay? Just withers up. It's fine, but it's not really what it's truly intended to be. It becomes dry. It becomes disconnected. There's something really powerful about connecting. See, when we come to Jesus, Jesus is saying, when we come to Jesus, we become grafted into Jesus. We become adopted into his family. It's another metaphor. We become grafted. It says, I am the true vine. You are the branches of Jesus. We're connected into Jesus. Have you thought about that? We're connected into Jesus every day. And we are his fruit. We're connected into him. He's the source of all. If you're like, he's saying, I've been there. I've done that. You're connected into me. This is an amazing picture, this is, up here. This is, if you've ever been there, it's the Hampton Court uh, Vineyard. I don't know whether you've actually been to it at all, but um, the original vine there is up to a 1,000 years old in Hampton Court, all right? Um, allegedly, and probably someone who's a gardening person will come and challenge me on this, but anyhow, allegedly, it's in Wikipedia, so it must be right. Um, so, um, and this is the root, okay? This is the root of the vine. Remarkable things. Some of the, some of the actual roots are up to two feet thick, all right? And from that, the grapes continue to grow incredibly in that particular, as I say, covered area. The vine has grown, um, and it it can only grow with those incredible roots. But what Jesus is saying here, one of the things is, this word here, he says, if you want to grow in me, you need to, and he uses the word, he says, remain. Or another translation says, dwell. Another translation also says, abide. Um, And... What it's saying is if you really want to be fruitful in your life, you need to go deeper with me. You need to say, what is the level of my connection um, with Jesus? And that's what I think God is saying today to each one of us. I feel actually even as a church, I'm going to share more about this next week, that God is calling us deeper into him. He's saying, actually, if you want to be fruitful, if you want to actually even get through in this world today, you need, to be, you need to be connecting afresh back to the one who knows it all. You need to be connecting right in afresh. You need to be abiding. You need to be dwelling. 
You know, you need to be fully, utterly connected. And I ask myself a question. You know, I meet many, many Christians, dare I say it, even in this church, who are dry, who are worn out. You feel like, yeah, they've got a faith in Jesus, but frankly, it stopped there. And I think Jesus is inviting us into something really precious. He's challenging us to church to say, come on, come back to the source of it all. Come back to the one who knows you and loves you. Get freshly connected into who he is. I think for some of us, we've become disconnected. The challenge is actually, it goes on to say, the danger is one which we become disconnected. It's like if you want to, you know, you want to be fruit bearers, the danger is that actually it says they get cut off. Those people can get cut off. And actually they become, if you like, thrown away. That's not the, that sounds a pretty extreme thing. What he's saying is that actually God is calling people to be pressing in deeper. And I think he's calling us even as a church to do the same, to press in. Now, many of us will say, well, you know, you don't understand me, Andy. You don't understand what I'm going through, what I'm experiencing, or I'm so busy, or there's so much stuff. Well, maybe this is the chance for us to stop and say, why am I actually allowing the stuff of life to get in the way of just that relationship with Jesus? Because ultimately, that's what he is calling us to do, to prioritize what I would call dwelling, you know, when you heard earlier that the, there are probably 5,000 people down in Sussex, most of them under the age of 40, that are worshipping for 72 hours. I don't know how that makes you think. Well, number one, they're camping, which you probably think that is appalling. Second, you might think, why would they possibly want to do that? Well, Lewis was there, actually, the other day at Davis' tent. It was great, wasn't it? That's fantastic. Carry on with you, Greg. That's fantastic. But the point is, is they, they've made a choice to say, right, we're going to go and we're going to just dwell in the presence of Jesus. We're just going to spend time in the presence of Jesus. Now you might say, well, I haven't got 72 hours. Um, and, and okay, that's fine. God isn't calling for you for that. He's glorious, isn't he? Because even though we don't spend the time with him, he comes back and he says, let's meet again. Come back, let's spend some time again. And that's what I think he's saying. He's just lovingly saying Why don't you consider, as you enter this new season, as you enter this new term, let's freshly reconnect. One of the verses says there, if you remain in me and I in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. Isn't that an amazing thing? He's just saying, hang around with me, spend time with me, capture my heart. I love a story of a young boy who was sent by his mum to buy a loaf of bread. The trouble was, he seemed to stay out much longer than his mum had intended. And uh, she got a little bit worried about him. Eventually he returned and mum said, where have you been? I've been worried sick about you. Well, he answered. He said, there was this little boy with a broken bike. And he was sitting down on the side of the road and he was crying. So I stopped to help him. Mum said, I didn't know you knew anything about bikes. He said, no, I don't. I just sat there and cried with him. And I think there's a sense that God is inviting us in to say, come and enter in. Come and spend time with me. Maybe even crying with me. I don't know, but entering in fully, reconnecting with him. Okay, so firstly, stay connected. Secondly, expect fruit. 
Expect to be fruitful. That's what he's sort of saying. He's saying, I'm the true vine. You know, you are the branches. Do you want to be fruity? We need more fruity Christians. We need to have an expectation that we are going to bear fruit. That we are going to see fruitful things in and through our lives. The trouble is many of us just stop at a level. We say, well, I'll just do enough. I'll just be a little grape. A tiny little grape. Maybe God is calling us to be bigger grapes. All right? To be bearing fruit in lots of different ways. Now, what does that mean? To bear fruit, as Jesus talks about here. To bear fruit. Well, firstly, I think he's calling us verses 9 and 10. It says here, he says, really about obedience. Verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. What he's calling us to is to be obedient. You know? He's calling us into uh, to, to, to saying, okay, I can hear what things are, are going on, but I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient to what he's calling us to do. You know, the great saints of my life, the thing that has most epitomized them is not amazing success. It's really interesting. I think of my, my father-in-law, who was 34 years in a village. He used to get about six people on a Sunday morning and a ferret. He was in this village for 34 years, but he was faithful and obedient to God's call there. He was, many people invited him to go elsewhere, to bigger churches and all that stuff. He decided to stay there because he felt obedient to God's call on his life. At his funeral, there were hundreds of people there that were touched by Colin G., who just spent time with individuals over his 34 years. And the fruit of his life was just shown in that time. I think of my own dad. Again, never involved in big situations. He was a vicar as well. But he was just faithful to what God had called him to do. I think of Doris Borman. You never heard of Doris Borman. Doris Borman was a lady who was part of a little church plant I did in Romford, in Essex. And little Doris was just faithful in prayer every day. I think of Mary Ball in my last church, the same. She spent the last six years housebound, but she prayed every day. We don't know the complete fruit of their lives, but you know what? They were obedient to what God had called them to do. He's not calling us to success, he's calling us to obedience. He says, if you remain in me, and we'll leave the fruit to when we stand before Jesus, won't we? Secondly, joy. Are you known as a joy-filled person? In your office, are you known as the one who brings joy? In your family, are you known as the one that brings joy? In your street and with your neighbours, are you known as the one who brings joy? That's really hard when you're out in the garden, isn't it? With your neighbours. But he says here, he says about joy. He says that in that thing, we're seriously called. It says that you're, I have have told you this so that your joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Billy Sunday, who was a preacher, once said, um, "Rip uh, rip out the groans and crank in the joy. And I would hope as a church, but actually as individuals, we'll be joy bringers. 
We should be bashing down the doors into our offices and saying, hey, joy's arrived, whatever your name. Joy is in the house. It says that we should have a fruit of joy. Of course, we know that's one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. Love, joy, peace, patience, and all the other ones. If we remain in Jesus, if we dig into him, yes, we might be facing the most unutterably awful, challenging things. But we know, don't we, that some of those saints who faced the most challenging things in life, they knew a joy. I can say with Peter Lidlow, who died this week, and his funeral is in a couple of weeks' time. Peter Lillo, he's been part of this church. Many people know him. Amazing guy. If he was up here, he'd be doing some sort of magic trick because uh, he was part of the magic circle. He's an amazing guy, and he used it because he loved people to know Jesus, particularly young people. He was passionate about those things. Even when I went to see him, the last time I saw him, he was frail, lying in bed, gave him communion, and he said, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Because, and he taught, he, you know, even though he was struggling, he had joy, even in the midst of his suffering. That's what we're called to, aren't we? That's an amazing picture. The end of our life, may we be the people who are still bringing joy to those around us. Obedience, joy, and finally, love. Sacrificial love. Because he goes on here to talk about this amazing verse that we often quote around Remembrance Day. Greater love, uh, no one than this, that they lay down their life for one's friends. And then he goes on to talk about the love that he shows. Of course, he's speaking there of his own sacrificial love that he was going to bring in the next, literally in the next few hours. And how do we show love? This is the final thing. How do we show love? Firstly, and I've sort of touched on this already, love for God. How do we show our love for God? You know what? Firstly, he just wants to spend time with us. He, he, the reason why, you know, even when we gather, there's something about that that, that, that explains something of how much we love God. When we worship him, we're saying, we love you, we honor you, we put you first. When we meet with others in our small groups or in different ways, we express our love for God. When we pray, when we spend time maybe in the Bible, maybe it's an opportunity, a new term to say, right, I'm going to afresh connect with the Bible and what God has to say to me. Each day by his spirit, he longs to do that. Secondly, love for each other. Verse 17, right at the end, it says, this is my command. Love each other. But of course, we're in church and we all love one another, don't we? Well, it ain't true in my experience. Very often we can say, yes, love one another. But the reality is we allow many things and many issues and pride and various other things to get in the way of what does it truly mean to love one another. And very often it's sacrificial. It means we have to say, right, I'm going to have to humble myself that others would know true love. He's caused them. He says, love one another. Isn't it amazing? One of the final things he says before he dies is love one another. And finally, love those that are lost. Those that are lost. What I mean by those that are heading for eternity without Jesus. You know what? I talked about cricket earlier. I've loved cricket this summer, but I've loved more than anything else engaging with people who are heading for lostness without Jesus. And it grieves me more than anything else. Yes, I'd like to score some runs. Yes, I'd like to take a few catches. But above all things, above all things, I want these men that I play cricket with to know Jesus. And that is my heart. That is my prayer. Ultimately, Jesus is the only one that can change their life. I'm not that good. But 
Our call is to love the lost. And very often we've forgotten that. Our disconnection with God has meant that we've forgotten that actually this is big stuff. The people around us, the people we know, if they do not know Jesus, they're heading for a lost eternity without him. And so it's serious what Jesus is calling us to. And so my desire, my call is that we will grow in our love for God, our love for each other, and our love for those that don't yet know Jesus. That is our heart's desire. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Could it be that God is calling us to a fresh connection? Not a French connection. A fresh connection. A fresh connection again with Jesus. But also to be expected that we're going to be fruity. Maybe we should be asking one another, how's the fruit in your life? How is it going? Are you being more fruity? Or are you experiencing challenging? You say, can I pray for you to be more fruitful in that area? That is what he's inviting us to. 